0: Welcome to the first uh, live studio audience audience edition of the Grisden Podcast. Um, we are here at the Car Avenue Bourbon Club, and uh, we are so official. It's very official. We, we appreciate have sponsors. Appreciate now. Bubba Halliday for having us. Um, it was an uh, it was an honor to receive the invitation, and we are going to basically record what we would record anyway on a night like this. Uh, where the Grizzly season has just begun. And it's the first time the four of us have actually sat down and talked about it since the season tipped off. And so basically, we're going to talk about a, a, a very notable news item that was just released in the last couple of days. Then we're going to get into a few segments. Uh, it's going to be a buy or sell segment. We, we came up with it on our own. It's very original. No other sports podcast has ever done buy or sell. Um, but basically each of us have come up with a few, uh, things that we've noticed and we want to basically ask, uh, the others if they are buying or selling, whether this trend will continue. Um, and then at the end, uh, we are going to open it up to any questions that you guys have. If you do have a question, you know, it's going to be very informal, so you can come up basically speaking to, uh. One of the mics, and we'll do our best to uh, answer it here live. And so, a formal
1: introduction will be required. uh, Yes, and you can share whatever personal information that you would like to be broadcasted over the internet. uh, This is going
0: worldwide, just to let you know. We are global. Yes, we are. But we'll we'll start with a few introductions. Um, So I'll start, and we'll go around. So I'm I'm Will. Uh, I've lived in Memphis uh, my whole life. Uh, and I've been a Grizzlies fan since they, uh, came to town and, uh, you know, one of the first things I remember was watching Jason Williams, uh, in the pyramid. And it was, uh, he was my first kind of favorite Grizzlies player and there were some dark years there, uh, growing up, but it's a fun time to be a Grizzlies fan. Super pumped that we have a team like this in the city and we'll go around, I guess, in an intro. A little bit more.
1: Uh, Brantley Davidson. I'm an adopted Memphian, and I moved here in the best time to become a Grizzlies fan the first year that the, that the grit and grind era made it to the playoffs, and we upset the Spurs. I think I went to, like, every one of those playoff games, and I was immediately hooked. And uh, I didn't have as many dark years as historical Grizz fans. I'm, I'm open about not experiencing the downs, but I'm here for all the highs, that's for sure.
2: Uh, Ty Smith, also moved here later, uh, 2014 to be exact. Um, had a friend in college from Memphis. He took me to game six of Grizz Spurs 2011. Changed my life forever. Um, so here I am. Sorry, Sarah. Changed your life forever. She also (laughs) changed my life, but
3: Grizz game six also did. So we're not, we're not in competition. Um, and I'm John and, uh, I am also... I was born here, a lifelong Memphian, uh, was gone for about 15, 16 years after I left for college, but have been back for the last nine, and uh, and so I, I loved seeing, when the Grizzlies came, I was in college, and, uh, and I grew up going to all the Memphis Tigers games, so I, so my favorite player early was Lorenzen Wright, so I remember that, and I was so excited when the, Hubie came and we got to the playoffs, and, uh, you know, became a huge Grizz fan, and then I uh, live in Chattanooga when uh, the the core four era was, and I really enjoyed uh, following them from afar. Sometimes would make the trip into Memphis to see some games, um but then uh, talked somehow talked my wife into moving here nine years ago. Um, I told her it was for other things, but it was really to see the more Grizzlies games. and uh, but uh, but been excited about that, and obviously, I love the Grizzlies, and I love that Memphis, uh, the the town I grew up in has a professional sports team now.
0: And we started this podcast in December of twenty nineteen. Uh, which is a few months after the Grizzlies drafted John Morant. And it was not the worst time to start a Grizzlies podcast since they've been on the rise ever since. And so we love getting to do this. We just joined a podcast network, uh, which includes a sponsorship with DraftKings. And so we're super excited that we're supported to continue doing this, continue to get together um, at every opportunity we can. And so let's get into it. The news broke a couple of days ago. Zaire Williams um, who was expected to be one of the very first players off the bench in every game. He was uh, is, is in his second year, had started uh, last year and when Dylan was injured, had come back from an injury, played awesome. High expectations for Zaire. We weren't sure what was going on. Uh, we thought it could be a couple of things, and it turns out it's patellar tendonitis. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Um, so let's, let's kind of give our initial takes on the, on the injury here in the news. I actually, um, tweeted out, uh, today to a guy named Jeff Stotts, who, if you don't know who he is, he is the, um, kind of the the sports injury guy he's 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 the guru who has basically tracked all of these injuries and has mapped out you know what can you expect from from uh different players who are have experienced these injuries in different contexts and i actually tweeted and asked him what he thought about the Zaire williams injury because he hadn't he hadn't tweeted about it he usually tweets about the bigger bigger names when they get injured he actually replied which was which was pretty cool but he Big said time. he said uh a solid approach for a chronic injury. I like the proactive approach to care. And so there's a chance that this injury is, is, is something that could be bigger if you try to rush it and the Grizzlies are taking sort of a patient approach. So let's start by what did you think when the, when the news broke and, and how do you think the team is uh, handling it? What's your opinion there?
3: Uh, So, I mean, I'm uh, I love that we're deep and so that we can be cautious. Uh, I feel like, for many years, the Grizzlies were kind of rushing people back from injury. Felt like if we can't get sort of our top six or seven back, we're going to really struggle. Uh, but we have a very deep team. Um, I'm sad about it. I mean, he's, a lot of people talked about Zaire, you know, sixth man of the year, most improved buzz. Uh, you know, just really excited about how he played in summer league and what he was going to look like. And so it's sad that we're going to have to wait, maybe even until Christmas, hopefully a little before Christmas uh, to see him play. So, so I was sad about it, but at the same time, I like that, our front office is cautious, has a long-term approach, and is going to let him rest it, and hopefully get it gets better.
1: Yeah, I was telling Kraft before that my just immediate mental reaction was just this is a, a kid who grew up in AU. You sort of hear sort of like the fear of, hey, these tall, lanky kids who are playing a ton of basketball their entire life. This is sort of the potential issue that could happen. And so <clears throat> I'm not – you know, I'm like a scale of two on the, on a 10 scale of concern right now, but it is sort of one of those things that it like over time, you just really hope it doesn't become a trend and that you do hope that we really are being proactive. And I do think this front office has shown that they are going to show, especially with young players, uh, a a high level of concern of bringing people back from even the minor um, injuries.
2: Yeah, I think my biggest thing was <clears throat> just really excited because, honestly, the first game of the Knicks, I was like, oh, my gosh, Santi Aldama, rotation player in the NBA? Who could have thought? So, my literally, my next thought was like, I wonder what Z looks like this year. Like, my gosh. Uh, so, kind of bummed that we won't be able to see that anytime soon. Um, the Grizzlies have kind of gotten unlucky with, you know, I'm pretty sure jaron's big injury year was his second year in the league uh so it was like expectations um what is this guy gonna look like we don't really know he was doing a lot of like on ball stuff in summer league which is what bane did the summer before so it's like what does this team envision him being um the sky's the limit he has a ton of talent so i think everyone was excited to see what that looked like we lost melton and kyle and i everyone's off-season thought was like, oh, it's okay. It's like Zaire's going to take those minutes. Like he's going to step into that role. And initially I just, you know, wasn't expecting it to be this long at all. I honestly thought it was going to be like opening night and he was going to be back for game two. Um, so I think it just came really surprising. Uh, but, I mean, grand scheme of things, this is obviously the right thing to do. We've We've always done the right thing which is encouraging, um, but it's still a bummer.
1: What's the math on six weeks? Is that like – is there a chance that he's back for the Golden State game Christmas?
0: I mean, that's within the timeline for sure. So, I would hope that by, you know, mid-December we're seeing him because that's the later part of the timeline. I think it's interesting mainly because you're going to see Jaron Jackson Jr. in all likelihood come back before Zaire Williams, which was not even on our radar uh, coming into the season. And I think it's interesting, too, because Taylor Jenkins is a coach who likes to go 10 deep in his rotations, and I was doing the math because John Contar just showed up on the injury report, too, for tonight. He, granted, he's questionable, and usually when the Grizzlies say questionable, it's going to be inactive. But we just saw a few days ago mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks was a questionable and was inactive. And so it's going to be really interesting to see. It's 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 pretty crazy that we were talking about in the off season what the Grizzlies should do with their draft picks. Should they package a bunch of them to kind of consolidate and go for one? They ended up drafting, you know, four and then signed a fifth and then we Cameron are now going agrees. to probably use all of those players in yeah. the coming days if we're without. Junior? You know, three I mean, we'll see. They don't play. <laughs> Come on, it's time. Yeah.
3: yeah he only has 50. He only he only can be active for 50 games. That's true. So we got to be careful with him.
0: So we'll see. I mean, it's obviously unfortunate, um, but at the same time, I, I would very much be on the side of exercising caution because yeah. the patellar tendonitis is an injury that is due to overstress and overwork. So it's kind of like the solution is rest.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. The hope is he gets back a couple games before the Christmas game to kind of get back and acclimated, and then he gets he's full Zaire when we play the Warriors. Yeah, that, that's kind of my hope.
0: All right. Well, let's get into our segment buy or sell. And basically, we've all come up with a few different prompts. Basically, uh, the Grizzlies are you know a number of games into the season, not enough to necessarily warrant a fair sample to make any, base any conclusions on, but we're going to overreact anyway because that's what we're here to do. And so, who wants to throw one out? Uh, Ty, you want to start
2: us off? Yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, so, first buy or sell, are we buying or selling Jaws' three-point leap? So, for some context, Ja, first year in the league, I think, shot like 31% from three. Um, second year in the league, that bumped up to like 33 34 Last year, jumped back down to around 31%, 32%. So, let's just call it low 30% from three. Um, his attempts went up every year. Last year, I think he shot four and a half threes a game, which is decent volume. So, this year, he is currently shooting 60% from three, which we all know that won't last because that would just shatter all records. Um, every he's shooting, every. Record. the greatest yeah, shooter in history would, of them. NBA. It would shatter all of them. He's shooting five a game, which volume is... Fairly close to last year, but still up a tick. Um, So kind of are we buying his leap? So the number that I had in my mind, are we buying Jaws a 40% three-point shooter? So that would be a fairly big increase from years past. Uh,
1: Without backing up the percentage, I'm buying this. Okay. I'm not buying the 60. No, I said 40. 40 is in my mind. The leap – Man, I didn't know that I was buying 40%. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take it. Because I Come just feel me. his like, confidence and fluidity in taking threes is is much different this year than last year. And I thought he took a leap last year in his immediate confidence level in threes. And I, the form hasn't necessarily changed a ton to me as much as it's just the reps and his confidence in taking them. And – It'll be really interesting, maybe five to seven games from now, when we're a little bit more, when he's a little bit more tired, like what starts to happen, and if he takes a massive dip. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I think Jaw's an MVP candidate, so I think to be that way, he has to hit threes. My thing about Jaw is,
0: in order to keep this percentage at the place that it's it is currently, it's got to be a controlled volume. Like, I don't want it to get out of hand. Five is a good number for me with Jaw, And also, I think it's – I'm going to be watching more in the first quarter if he's going to hit his first one, because then that's going to change the defense a little bit. So, if he can continue to hit, I would say, yeah, 40 to 50%, honestly, of his very first three taken in a game, like, that to me changes the complexion, and it will change how certain teams are playing. I don't know – if I were a coach – and I was basically game planning for John Morant. I wouldn't change how I'm playing defense right now. I'm going to have to see you know ten to twenty games of that before I'm going to change the game plan. And so my hope is that we see him hit early in the games because that could change. I mean, coaches are making adjustments at halftime. So if if you're if the best player on the floor is hitting threes and he's normally a rim scorer, like, you got to change something. And then also see it prolonged. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna buy still because how I could think you it's sell like,
1: anything? With this I know thing. exactly. This it's, it's hard. You can start I mean, up a how can't. selling anything exactly. With was, he might uh, listen yeah. to this and call us out. And I winter. do
0: think the form is slightly different. To me, it's quicker. Like it's quicker when I'm watching. Uh, and I like it's just the confidence that he's sure. shooting it, and it, it's translating slightly to form. I'm not, you know, a, a shot scientist, but it looks a little quicker to me.
3: No. man, I'm weirding out because I'm gonna be the slight pessimist. No. <laughs> I don't against brand for me. Weird. Uh sli- small sell. I actually do think so so in my mind a thirty eight percent three point shooter is an elite three point shooter and I actually think he will I think he's an I think he will get thirty eight percent. I don't know if about forty percent. Uh forty is a little high. 40 is I'm very just buying high. the leap. So, Can I clarify so my buy? Sell, yes. But but buy part of it, but part of what makes it so interesting is uh the threes he takes are open. I mean, like, I mean, he did open. take a three at the end of last game, you know, kind of, sort of guarded, but still had space, because you can't, you can't crowd him, because he's going to go by you, and so I just feel like the, the three is going to be open for him, and it just, the way he's shooting it, it feels like he is going to be a good three-point shooter.
2: So, I was talking with, uh, with Henry, who's in attendance tonight, shout out, appreciate you, um. We were kind of talking about Josh shooting, and that was my big point to him. I was like, every shot he takes is, like, a good shot. Like, nothing doesn't make sense. It's just like, well, he pulled one from, like, 38 the other night to, like, seal the game. That was pretty sick. But, like, every shot is, like, fluid. It's either, like, on a fast break pull-up where, like, no one's remotely close to him. It's either off, like, a dribble handoff or some kind of, like, ball screen where he's just not being guarded. The defender's sagging. He does a quick little step back. No one's within four feet of him. So I feel like the shots he's taking, I mean, yeah, sixty percent. He's obviously not going to continue this, but it's to me it, it's not like a shock that that they're going in because again they're just really good shots within the flow. He's not doing anything crazy. He's not like trying to run off some. He's not pulling like Dame Lillard off the curl threes from deep. Like everything makes sense and within Jaws, I don't know, like within his just natural game of how he plays. Yeah. Um, so yeah, forty is kind of crazy. So I'll I'll bump that down a little bit. But I am buying like him as like a legit three point threat for sure. Yeah. In years past, he might not have been that. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like he is. Like you have to consider it when you're when you're guarding him now.
1: Like I would say, my you know, one of the analogies I've always used is, can you just be a threat? You know, Jaws a threat in so many ways. Last year, I would say his three was a threat. You had to at least respect it. This year, it's an asset. It's Like far. a weapon. Yeah. It's a weapon. And if that. Man, if that continues to be the case, he is so much more dangerous than we really know. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Unguardable. All right, can I take the next one? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so like one of the biggest off-season, you know, Grizz <laughs> fodder discussions. <laughs> I have so many that I could go with this one actually. Um, uh, is just the detriment it would have of us losing Melton and Kyle. Um, most listeners know how I would feel about this, but are we buying or selling that we already know we're better without Melton and Kyle?
3: I'm buying that completely. We're <laughs> better without <laughs> Let's Melton Let's go. And Kyle. So, uh, as I've said, I mean, the, the only thing right now, looking at our stats, even uh, now without our full team, the only stat that really jumps out is our turnover percentage on defense is not as high as it was. Um, it's a little lower. Part of me is saying that's more us playing a Knicks and a Dallas team that don't turn the ball over much, especially Dallas. And, but everything else, I feel like we're better. Our offense is already fifth in the league. Uh, we're, we're playing a lot of rookies, which I think will matter less, but, but I would say that Melton, uh, Conchar has replaced the Melton minutes and I think been fine. In fact, he's shooting better than Melton. Uh, did Kyle was uh, has been replaced by Santi Aldama basically and I like that I mean P- you actually have to guard him out there there's some intangible stuff that we're going to miss I think throughout the season with Melton and Kyle uh, especially now having to play the rookies because of our injuries but I think the the like I don't mind taking the small short-term loss with our rookies to get them good experience um, but, I mean, already we're better. I mean, we're 3-1. You know, that's a better start than we had last year. I think that's going to continue. Uh, I, I love the fact that we're replacing them with people that, uh, that, unlike Melton, can actually dribble into the lane and pass it, and unlike Kyle can actually shoot it. And so I think we're definitely better.
0: So, D'Anthony Melton it's an analytics darling. Uh, Kyle Anderson I was a big fan of, especially a couple years ago last year. Kyle found himself in many situations when John Morant would drive. There would be a defender from the corner that crashed to defend uh, Jaw, and he would kick it out to the corner. And it was a beautiful pass, wide open by 10 feet. And then we see who he passed the ball to, and it was Kyle Anderson. And the shot took about 12 seconds to get off. And then it wouldn't even be close. And it was unfortunate because I did love Kyle and I love what he brings. And I think intangible is the right word craft, because it's hard to necessarily, unless you get into the hustle stats of deflections and different things like that, where you can see their value truly. Um, However, one stat I want to pull out is in the last three seasons, the Grizzlies have been bottom five in terms of three point attempts per game. This season, they're eighth already. And, I think that has a lot to do with mm-hmm. just the difference in trading Santi Aldama with Kyle Anderson. And now we can play truly a four-out offense. I mean, Jaw too, shooting better. That definitely contributes. But when you have a guy in the middle, whether it's Steven Adams or Brandon Clark, who's a non-shooter, but everybody else can shoot, that, I think, opens up exactly what Taylor Jenkins want this, wants this offense to be with Ja Moran at the helm. And I think just... In terms of how the offense flows, I can all I can already see the uh, the value. Now we're thirtieth in defense right now. We are last in the league in defense. A lot of that has to do with the blowout that we experienced in Dallas. But at the same time, we don't have Jaron Jackson, and so I want to see Jaron before I'm going to officially. I mean, I'm buying right now but i want to see jaren to so you're solidify a whole? the defense and i of
3: only and I've only had Dylan for one game too That's with too. the defense so i'm That's a buy I'm still
0: about. though because i love the offense yeah so i
3: guess
1: I, I um for my own take i would i wasn't sure how i would have answered this before the brooklyn game mainly just because i think kyle did, did bring some defensive prowess in the playoffs that would had the potential to be tough to replace. And I'm not saying that we're going to get that exactly from Aldama, but, like, seeing him guard KD when KD was on that hot streak in the end of the third quarter, and he still put up buckets on Aldama, but I thought he held his own well enough to where I was like, okay, like, he's guarding, like, the best scorer of all time. Fine-ish, you know? Like, he wasn't preventing him, but he didn't look terrible doing it. And that to me felt like we're gaining the three and getting something sort of comparable on the defensive end, not like as maybe not from a steal side and deflection side that Kyle brought with his length. But
2: I'm buying it. It's my take. So, yeah, I'm going to buy it. So, I'm going I'm to cheat and stash it because I don't think we're really going to know until the playoffs because that is where we've all agreed where Melton has really disappointed us in the past. And then Kyle, his limitations are really. You know, a light has sh- has shined on those. Uh, so I think we'll see. I think early returns, probably a wash, to be honest with you. Um, but I think if Contrar comes out and is super aggressive in the playoffs and hits 38 to 40% from three, we're going to be like, yep, good call. Um, one point I did want to say about this. Um, so everyone talks about, like, trust the front office, trust the front office, trust the front office. We've texted about this. And that only pert- seems to pertain to the draft. Like when it comes to free agency and who we let go and who we bring back, this people seem to really question that like really hard. And it's like if you're going to continue to scream like, man, this front office is the best, King climbing, look at all this guy's doing. He trades away Melton and everyone's like, what an idiot. This is so dumb. Melton's so key to us. How can you trade Kyle? He meant so much. Like if you're going to trust him in one aspect, can't you, you kind of got to trust him in all of them. Because if we keep saying that the guy's never been wrong, then let's just like really commit to that. So my point is like when you see a guy like Melton go, and go, when you see a guy like Kyle go, our first inclination should be, man, I bet Santi's shown something. Or like, man, I bet they really have a lot of faith in Zaire coming off the bench. Or like, man, I bet they think Bain's going to shoot 10 threes this year and like make a lot of them. Or like, God, we really have a lot of trust in our rookies. Like that was not the first inclination. It was immediate like doubt, but everything else is like, God, this front office is awesome. So my big point is like, why doubt now when it's something that you, again, we talk about this all the time with the Grizzlies is like, we all fans pretty much are so like immediate focused. We're very bad at focusing in the future or forward focusing or like, what do we project going to happen? Cause it's a lot of things we don't know. And that's the big disconnect between fans and front office. Front offices usually know because they're seeing it day and day and day and day fans aren't. Fans are only allowed to see what they can see, the product that's right in front of them. So I think something to keep in mind in the future with whatever that move looks like is let's continue to give the front office the benefit of the doubt in all regards of front office stuff, not just like draft.
0: Can I interject with a trivia question
2: for you guys? Can't wait. Alright,
1: so... Grizz, Grizz it is story Grizz related. Kind
0: of. uh, since Zach Kleinman has taken... Uh, the general manager's seat. He has only made two of his own selections. The rest have been trades in the draft. One was John Morant. What was the second? In the last since 2019, there's only been one other pick that was the Grizzlies' owned pick. Ooh, this
2: is good. Um, does undrafted free agency count? Nope. Okay, so it has He's to, in to the be draft. a pick.
3: Is it Vince Williams Jr.? It is
0: Vince Williams. Wow, there it is. <laughs> How about that? Anyway, just someone a fun in attendance fact there. was
2: itching at that one. Um, hey, Bane was we traded. traded up. We traded up. We traded with Boston. Those dumb idiots. All
0: right, I've got a buy or sell for you. That might, you know, cause some sparks to fly. Are oh, we buying whoops. or selling? That Dylan Brooks is in the right spot in the Grizzlies pecking order offensively. He has played in every preseason and regular season, granted it's been one game that he's played, he has taken less shots than John Morant and Desmond Bain. Are we buying that Dylan is in the right place in the pecking order?
1: Can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. Does he? Is this a, about him knowing he's in the right pecking order?
0: It's open-ended. Or is this
1: about that we believe that he should be third?
0: It's open-ended.
1: Okay. Because I think he should be like fourth or fifth in the shooting pecking order. Like when Jaron comes back, he should be below him. Um, so Jaron I'm, is I'm, the caveat. I'm selling because I also don't think that Dylan believes that he's in the right spot in the pecking order. Fourth
0: or fifth is pretty generous
3: for you. I thought it was going to be maybe double digits. <laughs> so I'm buying with the current roster. When Jaron comes back, I think that Dylan should be the fourth option. Um, and even – Uh, Like, honestly, I mean, I think the next three months uh, before the trade deadline, uh, that is sort of like as far as big picture questions is seeing can he handle being the fourth, the, uh, the fourth and even can he handle other guys taking more shots with him and just honestly not not prioritizing himself finding shots. I think that's a big part, and and honestly, if you go with just how he's always been, like I should probably sell that he's going to be willing to do that. But uh, I'm going to try to be optimistic that that he recognizes that he's uh, easily the fourth, uh, maybe even less, uh, the fourth best offensive option we have in the starting, start in the, definitely in the starting five, and then just honestly, we have a couple bench players who might be more gifted offensively than him too. If he can recognize right. that. If he can rec, I might. Hey, did you there? There was a Utah Jazz playoff series where he did play well ah. uh, two years ago, <laughs> like three games. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm selling it a little bit. Um,
2: main reason because how many games has he played? One game, exactly. Give two it time. for thirteen. Give it time. So the one reason I'm selling is like pecking order, sure, like amount of shots, sure, but like what shots, you know, is he taking? Like, are they any good? No. Like, he took a lot of ill-advised, like, mid-range jumpers last game. Like, there was one, like, fast break where we made a couple passes and then we didn't get to the basket, so we swung it out to Dylan. He takes one dribble inside the three and takes a 20-foot jumper with, like, 16 seconds on the shot clock. And I'm like, my guy, like, don't do that. Um, So that's, I'm, I'm selling that aspect that, especially when you're, like, if he understands it, like, where he thinks he is, like, absolutely not. Um, I think he played not that many minutes because, of course, he was in foul trouble last game. Um, so it wouldn't shock me at all if tonight he at least shoots 16 times. Like no surprise whatsoever. So I'm selling it for now. Reevaluate when Jaron comes back.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's to me a Jaron question because he has to be fourth, uh, especially offensively. Like I don't th- I think there is value. In in still having him necessarily like in the starting lineup on the team from a defensive standpoint, I think that we've lost enough weapons in the last, uh, you know, three, four months that we need him at least for the time being. I would still love to find other solutions there uh, if available because I do think he actively hurts. However, I said on one of our Weeked and Update podcasts recently that every time I go to review a Dylan performance, apart from the eye test, because the eye test is really tough, because it doesn't look pretty necessarily when he's out there and kind of stopping the ball. But you still need to look at what his value is overall. And so I go to the plus minus stat. Uh, basically, when he's on the floor, how does the team get outscored or do they outscore the opponents? And he was a plus seven in the Nets game in his minutes. And he didn't play a ton of minutes because of foul trouble. So I think there still is value on the defensive end to him. Granted, the two of thirteen performance looks pretty terrible, um, and it's not necessarily fun to watch. And so it's kind of like uh, caught between a rock and a hard place. But I am gonna—he has not been in a situation in the last two and a half years with all the starters in, in the same lineup, except for a couple of playoff games here and there. So um, it's a hold
3: for me. We'll see. Let's
1: we'll stay on the Dylan.
3: This is a good question. I, I'm buying it. Uh, if you've seen Gordon Hayward's uh, uh, new haircut, so it, it's it's rough. So you're se- – you're bu- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm selling. Yes. I'm yes, selling. Thank you. You're I'm selling. Sorry. Yeah. Man, I can't even get it right. I'm selling it. Uh, there's actually a couple other candidates too, but I'm going to throw out Gordon Hayward as having, uh, from what I've seen, the worst hair in the NBA this <laughs> year so far. It's so It's so difficult. It's yeah, so tough,
1: Gordon's.
2: His- it's
1: so oh,
3: Yeah, you go
2: rough. Google it. Go Google. Hey, Gordon Roddy's here. looks like he's taking one after Roddy's. Kind of got the little. Uh,
1: I, I thankfully would like to say he's also lost the crown of losing of having the worst hair because I think Rudy Gobert's is the worst. <laughs> he's also the worst, but that guy's
0: in the general, pit. I'm gonna sell. Um, because the, the thing about Dylan, the thing about Gobert, the thing about Hayward is they have all made a choice. About their hair. I don't know if Hayward made a choice. Well, there there's one player in particular who hasn't made a choice, and it's just unfortunate. It's Trey Young. Oh, I mean, tough. have you seen? Have you seen the hair? I mean, it's we it's have. not great. You should Google it if you. I mean, it's not great. I don't think he can control it. So that's why I'm selling Dylan Brooks. Is at least his is a choice. He can go back. You know, to normal if he wants to.
2: But can he though?
0: I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. It's he might late. not want to. Um, let's do a couple more craft.
3: You got one that you want to. Yeah, I'll throw out um, are we buying or selling uh, Santi as a possible closing when fully healthy Santi as a possible closing front court player uh, for the Grizzlies. And so that could be either it was just Santi and Jaron, but actually I had people uh, talking because they played this interesting lineup of Clark LaRavia Santi. In the Nets game, so thinking taking out Laravia and putting in Jaron uh, could also be a potential. But what do you Santi as like a potential sort of uh, you know small ball, big large wing closer? Buying or selling?
1: I'm selling for this year okay. as closing because if Jaron's healthy and my I sort of feel like there's a chance that those minutes could still go to like the power lineup with BC in there. And that was so successful for us last year, but it could be matchup dependent. Yeah. So that's where I would be wrong.
3: But even Santi, I mean, you know, you'd potentially taking some Dylan minutes because I know you love Dylan. That would games. be. Are
1: you wait? Can I buy Santi taking minutes from Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> if that that was the question. That, that I would take potential. it. I would take it, but I'm selling the, as worded here on my sheet of paper.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll sell. Um, Mainly just because right now we're twenty eighth in defensive rebounding, and I feel like at the end of a game, I, 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 and if we're first in offensive rebounding, and the large part of that offensive rebounding is Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, and if the, neither of those guys are in your your closing lineup, but at the same time, you know Clark is a great pair with Jaron. I think he's he's fun to have um, closing in the front court, and honestly, Santi you could slide Santi in too at, at sort of a, have a three big lineup and Clark be kind of the odd man out. Cause he's the shortest of the three, but he would play the center in that situation. And so I I don't know if the two man lineup necessarily as the closing front court, but you could switch it around a little bit to where I think it could work. Um, but I'll, I'll sell just for the pure reason of, of rebounding has been our biggest issue um, besides, you know, some defensive struggles, but
2: yeah. Kraft, I'm going to buy it. And here's the reason I like why. It. So I played a lot of AAU basketball growing up, and I was a terrible shooter. So I Humble really, brag. Sh- I li- no, not terrible shooter.
1: Brookhaven. So I, uh,
2: right here, my coach pulled me to the side one day, and he said, "Ty, if you could ever shoot, like you'd you'd be all right." And Santi has shown the ability to shoot. And if you can shoot, you can stay on the floor. Um, if he continues to shoot a good percentage from three, and is dangerous out there, and teams have to respect him. Also, he has guarded multiple different types of players a lot better than I expected. Uh, Game one, he guarded Julius Randle, who's very much like Bruiser. I'm going to try to take you in the paint. guard him pretty well. Um, Brantley said earlier he got matched up on Durant a couple times. Yeah, Durant scored, but he handled it pretty well. If he can guard a couple different positions, because that's the biggest thing when you think closing lineups and Grizzlies in the past. Like, the reason Jaron is at the five is because we can just do so much. We're really versatile – no team can take advantage of us, de- of us defensively unless they try to, like, switch jaw on someone. But then Jaw knows that he has a ton of help at the rim with Jaron. So if Santi can just, like, do enough to stay in front of his man, um it'd be a smart help defender. And if he can knock down shots, I 100% think he could close a game in a playoff series. All right.
0: Um, a couple more here. Uh, the first one is kind of a joke, but it's kind of topical. Um, in the last 48 hours... The nickname Slim Spain—it's so good. I'm buying. Has been circulating. I'm all in as the Santi Aldama nickname of choice. Slim Spain. If you don't know, Marcus Gasol's nickname was Big Spain. So this is kind of like you know honoring that, but you know putting our own twist on it with with Santi Aldama. So Ty is buying Slim as long Spain. as Santi
2: Claus doesn't exist, which it can't if, if Slim Spain is in the mix. All my yeah, chips. I, Santa Claus yeah, full, is the worst. F- yeah. full
3: sell on Santa Claus. <laughs> yes, agreed. All, full sell. I'm a, yeah. I'm all
2: in on Slim Spain. So That's amazing. I, I'm a small
3: I'll, buy. I'm still. I gotta like. I feel like there's a potential better one out there, so I'm being cautious. But I I do. I do appreciate Slim Spain. I like I de- Slim Spain. Yeah. Any mm-hmm. reference, anything that reminds people of my favorite Grizzlies player ever, Marc Gasol, is going to be exciting for me. So that s- leans towards Slim Spain. For I'm
1: me. only going to sell just because I want to make sure he earns a nickname. That's like, true. It's only been what four games. I love Slim Spain, but like, let's 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 hold on before we compare him to like the like, you know, core of who the Grizz are.
0: So I came up with a few. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> I came up with a few, and You're I just so want to get y'all's reaction. Uh, if you don't mind, so uh, you came up with more. Yeah, I came up. You with You have more. a proposal. Yeah, I have a. Why few didn't you proposals. do
1: this in your buy sell?
0: Well, that that this is my buy sell. Buyer selling slim span is the best nickname. Y'all's you reaction okay. to my nickname proposals is going to ter- determine whether I buy or sell. Okay. All right, uh, Freeze. What do you think? <laughs> sell because he gets hot. You know. It's terrible. So, okay,
2: freeze? That's
0: Freeze. No. Um, um, it's cute. But... Um, do y'all watch Stranger Things. Sometimes of Al, course. Aldama Gorgon like the demogorgon? No I'm really out on that Okay too. cool my I son, figured that was going to be the My son lowest. would be all over that Aldama, Aldama Gorgon There you go passing along to That's the really difficult to, the to youth. say Can you say that again Uh Aldama Gorgon <laughs> Cuz he's a monster I,
3: So the question is could Pete Pratica say that That's true no. um, Aldoma Gorgon what, you
0: quote, <laughs> Cuz he's a monster Cuz he's a monster Uh and the last one is uh an ode to Spain again the Spanish Armada, his last name is Aldama, so Santi Armada. What do y'all think? We got some laughs
2: from the uh, from the seats. The Armada. We compl- also got a hard. About, what about the down. Armada? The Armada. A, the aggressive armada. thumbs down hey. in the hey. audience.
1: I feel like there
2: we
0: go. The Spanish Armada. Thank you. We got one vote from the crowd.
2: No, that was a recognition. One vote.
4: Okay, I, I fine. will say
3: the. <laughs> I will say those those three nicknames are much better than I was expecting okay well but I think I like them Spain better than
0: I think Santi Freeze has more legs than y'all are giving credit to and I do Santee with Santee Freeze
1: I do see the t-shirt so potential okay. there. yes yeah go yeah. to Grisdom.com for all of our that's merch that's right can but, it be Salty's face with like the shining
2: where it's just like snow dripping
1: if, down
3: if he becomes an excellent defender like a super above average defender I could see the Santi Freeze or if he has ice
0: water in his veins at the end that, of the game there you go it could work so. both ways you're gonna make
1: a great dad you have great puns yeah
0: thank you all right the last thing we're going to do, and this leads into our sponsorship which is with Draftkings, is uh, we all had a podcast uh, a few weeks ago and basically we made our NBA futures bets where we you know all had thousand dollars theoretically to spend to basically put across 10 bets for the future and so far we're a few about a week into the season. Are there any specific futures bets that you guys wish you could take back at this moment? <sighs> Um, I don't know if you you reviewed uh, the tape there, but um, you craft, have to do some have... over unders too. I have yeah, several over unders
3: I would like to. Yeah. Okay, let's each pick so, our top one. That yeah. Would do. So I actually I love my future bets still. So of I'm, course I'm all course. for them. I mean uh, I was a little nervous about the Raptors for a game or two, but now I'm still thinking they could potentially pull out the division and get me those amazing like plus four thousand odds that I put some money on. Um, but for but definitely my biggest frustration it's because. You know, I hate them anyway, is the fact that I picked the Lakers over. It's like, uh, I like have having, have been having trouble sleeping because of it. I'm, I like, I, and there's still this possible possibility out there that they will make a trade and that the trade will make them decent. But I actually think whatever, all the trades that have been out there that have been proposed, I still think they're going to struggle to win what I believe was like 43 games. I just, uh, I, like, honestly, uh, A.D. still looks like bad A.D. Um, I mean, it's sad to say LeBron looks washed. Um, at least the first four games. I,
0: you heard it here first. I heard it. Here, the
3: like, I'm, I, I mean, I have him in my fantasy league, so I'm feeling the pain every night he plays uh, that he is not. Like, I thought at least he'd come out um, strong about with uh, that. He's going to try to pass Kareem's record. And it's just been a weird, just him pulling up for threes, not driving to the basket. He's now talking about how he's not going to, you know, he's trying to pass it too much and committing turnovers. So he's just going to like play more ISO ball. It's just everything about the team is terrible. Um, And I I think even when they make the eventual trade or do something, they're still going to struggle to get to 500. So that's my biggest regret. Bad vibes in LA. Bad vibes. So one of mine, LA, um,
2: Specific is I picked AD to win Defensive Player of the Year. Such a bad bet. Just flush that one down. So bad. I put I picked the uh, Brooklyn over. Horrendous <laughs> pick there. Um, I think I picked the Boston under. Terrible. Just just so bad. So those are just three that are just really I, wrong. I will
3: say with the Boston one, there is there's there is a chance that at some point they're going to realize we basically have our third string coach. You know, because their second string coach is now d- coaching well in Utah. Um, I could see that somehow going wrong at some point in the season I for you. I just think they're too good. <laughs> That's probably true.
1: I, I'll say the one that I, I texted the group last night, and, and like I guess this was a sign of, like, awesome fandom or just desperation, where I was like, man, I can't wait to tune in to the league pass game of the night of the Wolves versus the Spurs. Because I wanted to hate watch the Wolves and cheer for the San Antonio Spurs, and like the first quarter, it was a close game, and then it, whatever. But like just watching that game, it was the first time I watched the the quote unquote new look Wolves with uh, my favorite player of all time, Rudy Gobert. <clears throat> great hair, great hair. And one of my picks was Anthony Edwards to win Most Improved Player of the Year. And there's no way I think as that as watching the way their current offense is constructed that he's going to get enough looks to get that one. And so, I love Ant-Man, but hate that I even made a a bet that was pro-wolves, honestly.
0: Yeah, I also – I didn't mind uh, my portfolio at this point a weekend. I did pick the Lakers to miss the playoffs, so that was a great two-to-one bet there. Um, might have actually bet on that in real life. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. And then uh, the, the one, though, that's not good vibes right now for me is uh, Joel Embiid to win the MVP at plus 650. I think so much of the MVP – uh, unfortunately, has to do with narrative rather than you know who necessarily deserves it every time. And I think in B, everybody is tuning in at the very start of the season. They're going to latch on to the storylines, and it's going to take weeks and weeks for them to unwind whatever that is in their head. And the Sixers having a very tough start. Every time you talk about the Sixers from now until probably January, people are going to start with, well, man, they had that bad start. You know Who knows what they're going to do? And so that's the one I would switch out not because I don't think he can get to a point where he, you know, deserves it. I think he can. But I think the voters are going to have this anchor in their mind. And so I would actually switch that out with a first coach fired bet.
1: I was about to say, is there, could you parlay first coach fired with MVP? Yeah. First so there's, coach two, fired Doc Rivers there's with...
0: two that I have on my list right now. Number one, the Detroit Pistons are awful. And in every metric, they've had one of the easier strength of schedules. I
1: think I picked them to make the play-in. Yeah, and they're terrible,
0: They're not good. Terrible scenario. And uh, they're very thin. If you watch, look at anybody on their bench, they've just been underperforming every you know metric there is. And so Dwayne Casey has been there for a while. He's an older coach. They might want some new blood in there. Uh, I think he was 5-1 to one to be the first coach fired. However, the leader in the clubhouse is Steve Nash. And the Brooklyn Nets have had a very, very poor start Where to the season. Where is Doc on that? I use like third or fourth in there, but Steve Nash to me or Dwayne Casey would be the two that I would want to, you know, trade out with that MVP. On a more positive
1: note, I did not put this in my, um, my betting card, but I did put some personal dollar bills, and I do mean singular that way, on John Morant to win MVP because I didn't want to not bet on him to begin the season if he did somehow have some historic season. I bet on it at plus 1,500. He's now third mm. at plus 700. So that's great in value. four to five games. He's already improved. So just like for Grizz fans out there, he was like sixth or seventh to begin the season. He's now third behind uh, Luka and Giannis. That's the type of start he's had, and it's just a great understanding just sort to of see where our superstar is at in terms of like the national conversation on MVP level within the first couple of games.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 76ers were would have been my second regret with having them over picking them to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm very regretting all of that. You know, their roster looks so good. It just doesn't it just on isn't paper. To, on paper, it just doesn't work together.
0: Yep. All right. Well, let's get into uh, this message from our sponsor and then we'll open it up to questions. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Opt in and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where the Grizzed in podcast goes to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcast Network. TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Okay. Live love, audience, love you the might...
3: live read. By the way, absolutely.
0: Love it. You know, we're professionals here. Um, any questions you have, you can use that mic right over there to ask us.
4: Hey guys, great show. Uh, I'm Doc, and I'm curious about your comments on Dylan Brooks. I I totally no. I totally understand about the offense, but how do you replace his defense?
3: That is an excellent question. I'd love to hear <laughs> from the answer from these three guys over here because that's the question I keep asking them. So well, let them answer that question. St- Un- unfortunately, I don't, know, I don't know if you can. Um, so that's the
2: biggest, a lot of like Grizzlies, other, other podcasters, writers that have been doing a lot longer than us, they've always kind of mentioned like you want to get rid of Dylan. Okay, so who are you going to go get instead? And when you look at the other options of, like, who we could potentially realistically bring in to take his spot, they're probably not as good as him on the defensive end. Like, you would definitely be sacrificing defensively. Um, for instance, like, people have mentioned a trade with Atlanta for, um, I think it's Boyan or Bogdan. Bogdan? Bogdan Bogdanovich. Really good offensive player, might not, can guard me, Right. I can't shoot, so we all remember. So you can guard me. <laughs> Point being, you are going to have to sacrifice. He's probably like 6'5", though, right? If yeah, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so. Yeah, on a good day. Okay. Um, so that's, that's the tricky part. Is like you're, if you get rid of Dylan, you are absolutely giving up a very good, very good on-ball, big physical defender. And those are hard to come by. And I think that's a lot of the reason why our front office has not – parted ways with him yet. Cause they see the value in that. Uh, another interesting thing at the beginning of the year, we were talking about, you know, OG Ananobi is like a huge, like, Oh my gosh, we could just have OG instead of Dylan in the ESPN top 100. I think Kraft pointed this out. Like Dylan was ranked like either ahead of OG or right at OG. Right. So NBA at large, they view Dylan as on that, on that level. I think it's just the frustrating things that he brings are just super frustrating and it's hard to see the force through the trees kind of, kind of thing. Right. It's really hard to see like all the good that he brings because there's just all the bad is just so glaring. So to, I mean, to answer you like realistically, probably, probably we can't.
1: I'm, I'm, um, uh, admittedly the harshest Dylan Brooks critic, uh, especially in terms of his hairstyles and uh, what he does on the court. And I have wanted to throw my phone at the TV screen a lot. And I don't really have a solution except for I just sort of trust that the front office is seeing the same thing, where it, it, our offense is so much worse when he's on the court. And I just sort of believe in, like, this potential halo effect where they could replace it a little bit. Um, and maybe we could figure something out. But I, you know, this is where I'm just having to sort of trust in the front office because it drives me freaking crazy. It is a great question. There's probably, I, I, I sort of believe that we could figure something out. I'd rather have David Roddy on the court guarding and not shooting. He's shooting worse than Dylan. I, I anyway. <laughs>
0: it's uh, a wing who can play uh, elite defense and also bring something on offense is the, um, the scarcest player, uh, out there. And it's, it's one that's not really easy to replace in a lot of ways, which is why so many people had pointed to like OG and Anobi. And that's why we draft Zaire Williams. It's why we draft Jake Laravia. It's why we draft David Roddy. It's why we're drafting these guys who are between six, six and six ten, uh, who mm-hmm. can potentially play two sides of the ball. And so that's, What the hope is long-term, now it's a really interesting situation that I won't spend too much time on, but basically signing Steven Adams and Brandon Clark to extensions eliminates cap space for next year, which means that we have this sort of interesting situation with Dylan Brooks because he's expiring at the end of this year, and we can either extend him using these bird rights that we have on him, which is an NBA cap nerd Thing, But basically, like, we can either lose him and or trade him before the deadline or we have to sign him to this big deal that's probably above what his market value should be because we're just in this very unique situation from a financial standpoint. And so, basic, the thing for me is, regardless of what the answer is on the court, like, financially, we will know the answer in February yeah. when the trade deadline happens. No,
3: I mean, I think, yeah, if, if we don't trade Dylan in February... Uh, we should you should expect a four year twenty five to twenty eight million dollar a year contract for Dylan, which will make half the Grizzlies fans uh, so angry that we're signing him uh, for four more years, and that we're signing him for that much for that much money. But that's really, I mean, that's looking at the new sort of way everything is going right. For me, that's the the big issue is one of the issues that we have is if we were to trade him, a team that's looking for somebody like Dylan who is a defensive wing who sometimes is offensive, they, that means they want him. And so how are we expecting to get back and, you know, from, from a team, a defensive win, uh, wing that's a little better offensively than Dylan. That's, and that's sort of the issue we have uh, with him. It would be maybe an expiring contract, but but Dylan doesn't seem to have that kind of value in the same way. So I still think he's very valuable. Uh, he does frustrate me. I, I feel like the Grizzlies culture can get into him and make him be. We've fine. been saying
1: that for like four years. But, but that's that's, never, that's not true. But
3: last year, last year he only had nine games with the Grizzlies culture five. would change his hairstyle. And the biggest thing for me also is that we're in a Western Conference where uh, we have Steph Curry, we have Luka Doncic, we have a lot, uh, we have Paul George, we have Kawhi Leonard, we have Western teams that are, have these mid sized wings that are the perfect size for dylan to guard and so even that reason also makes him value valuable to me so that's sort so so i just find i'm and i think our front office has been smart about it which is we're going to sign him to a long contract unless somehow we can find a better player but i think that is a small handful of players closing uh, argument for
1: from uh not 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 a fan of dylan brooks a hashtag um I had this thought when I was watching um, – I can't remember who the Sixers were playing, and I was watching as, like, Mateeth Teibel was just barely used. And he sort of represents, like, a Tony Allen type of a player to me where his elite defensive ability is overshadowed by his ability to be inept on offense. And Tony Allen wasn't inept, but in the playoffs, he was definitely a detriment. As much as we all loved him, it was, you know – he was, he was tough. He was tough to watch. Like, Dylan Brooks is tough to watch on, off- on offense in the regular season and in the playoffs, except for those two games that he did against the Utah. Um, so, like, I was sitting here thinking, like, would I rather have a player like Dylan who's baited into doing too much on off- offense versus a player like Tybal who is inept and won't do anything? And I honestly sort of am moving to a place of I would rather have an a knowingly inept offensive player than a player who's baited into being still
3: absolutely abysmal offensively. so, you, so you would would you have been fine with us keeping Kyle and getting Rev Dylan? Yeah, I think so. Okay, interesting. But but
1: like Kyle's not on the same athleticism. Someone like Tybalt, like can still hold his own athletically. So I'm just – I'm starting to think of it that way versus, like, we're not going to get some amazing Andrew Wiggins type. So we've, we could do an entire weekend podcast on Dylan Brooks. I'd be happy to be a yeah, guest. You asked the question.
0: Yeah, it is the question. All right, we, got, a, we got another question.
4: Yeah. Uh, yes, hello. Um, I'd like to ask a question on a uh, – uh, my name is uh, at TigersCR239 <laughs> on Twitter. Yes. That's all I'm saying, at TigersCR239. I'm not responsible for any of his tweets. But um, on one uh, one thing I wanted to ask you all about was uh, Dylan Brooks. Hey! <laughs> um, I, honestly, this is the biggest question I have, but like you kind of touched on this a little bit. I, my, my biggest question is this. On, I'm going to be a little contrarian here. Do, I, do, I, do we think that there's any chance that Dylan, as bad as we see some of his weaknesses are, we all know what they are, but like the other night when we won – Uh, the game against the Nets, and they were interviewing Desmond Bain, and the whole team was crowded around. Like, I'm seeing the Grizzlies' chemistry, like, off the charts, like I've never seen ever, as long as I've been following this team. And they all kind of seem to love Dylan. And I'm wondering, like, if we maybe undervalue some things that Dylan does. We know the bad, but, like, is there a locker room chemistry thing? And maybe, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. And also – like, do we need to make moves right now? Where the team is, we're not. We're maybe not. I don't know if y'all think we are contenders to win it all right now. Maybe we are. But do you just build with this going forward, or do you kind of make a move that might not go over so well with the chemistry in the locker room? Maybe y'all already answered some of this, but that's a great question. Tigers is. CR <laughs> <nine>. <laughs> yeah, That's
3: awesome. It's an awesome question.
2: Great question. Uh, so one thing I, this subject has been brought up regarding Jonas Valanciunas. So when he got traded, everyone was like, oh my gosh, he was a pillar. Everyone loved him. What are we going to do? Seamless transition. Like it was nothing. Steven Adams immediately adopted. Everyone loved him. D'Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson were both in the mix. They were like, you know, Kyle Anderson was apparently like a huge locker room, like staple. Like all the guys were really, really loved him. So Kraft has always well recently started to peg us as the new spurs and what he means by that is we have a culture that basically goes beyond a single player or even multiple players so to that point i think that if we have our star in place which is ja i think he runs the show culture wise i really do at this point so i think as long as we have him we will have a grizzlies culture forever regardless of who's around him Question rephrasing.
3: Value on the court that we don't see as Fair point. Yeah. Well, that I, the, the, the question, question was, the question. does yeah. he
0: have a value on the court that we aren't recognizing that we don't know about that we're not in the locker room can't see what they see.
3: Yeah, I, I think he brings an edge. I think he m- brings the bulldog a, effect yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like I think that our team plays yeah. with a little more of an edge when he's on the court. Uh, you know that I think he kind of raises our level. I mean that if I'm looking for an intangible type thing, I think you know. I mean it's the funny part. He gets under the other team's skin, especially their players. Like he, I mean he got Kevin Durant a technical, but the question is sometimes people thought you know he made Kevin Durant mad, and then Kevin Durant went on to score 17 points in the third quarter after Dylan made him mad. So that's the question: is like is it helping or not? I'm not sure. Uh, one of my things, and I would quote uh, tie back to himself, which. Hey, he said earlier, as much as he, because he made some good points. Wow, there. pulling those receipts. Yes, but I wanted to pull some receipts of earlier. Earlier, Ty said that you know it that you know people we, we draft so well, and yet uh, when we trade players away and we do other things, uh, like when we got rid of Melton and we got rid of Kyle, people were wondering what's going on. Well, if we're going to for- trust our front office, with that maybe it we, is. Maybe we should trust our front office with the fact that we, that despite the obvious media. Uh, dislike of Dylan the the fans dislike of Dylan like it's a very obvious like he is the kind of controversial figure our front office has kept him they have not traded him I know that he's out for trades and so I'm going to use that as as uh, so Ty made some good points both earlier thanks. and just thanks recently. bud so well no, no, that, that was
2: going to be my point is like clearly yeah. we have not gotten rid of him so clearly the front office values him like there's a reason he didn't play for team Canada or practice with team Canada this summer the Grizzlies front office, like, plucked him away and said, no, you're coming to Memphis. You're going to be in Memphis all summer. So, I think there's value in that for sure. And, yeah, like, again, front office sees a lot more kind of point earlier that we can't see. So, yeah, you're probably right. Well, you look
0: at the two teams in the finals last season, Warriors and Celtics, who are two guys notably One on their team. One punch a guy in the face. Draymond Green was just in the news recently. And for, Marcus Smart is crazy. And Marcus Smart, who I've compared Dylan to a lot, is, is just we kind of a the crazy man. We have a Boston fan name. here, yeah? Yeah.
2: He likes them both. Yeah. And,
0: I mean, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Bobby Portis, was kind of, he wasn't as important to what the, these two last finals teams were doing, but he was still kind of that one unhinged guy yeah, one who's going person. to get under the other team's skin, who's going to dive for every loose ball, who's going to probably try too
1: hard at okay, times. But, but, like, I understand, like, I love the Bulldog thing. I'm all in on the Bulldog mentality. Y'all know that's why I, like, un, like unashamedly love Jay Crowder. Like, he brought that to this team, Jaws rookie year. Y'all just compare Dylan to two, like, all-time defensive players ever. Like, first guard to win, like, best defensive player in, like, what, 13 years? And Draymond, who is one of the best modern defensive players in the past, like, 15 years? Dylan can't be on that scale. I get that he has an impact. I just think that he holistically has more of a detriment I want to believe that this front office is seeing that, and that he's going to be the Melton of next year.
0: Yeah, I think there's a to to go back to the point that I made from a financial standpoint. Like there, to me, is a very good chance that he is not on the Grizzlies next year, and it's it's due to a lot of factors. But they're going to take that cost benefit analysis into account better than we ever could, for sure. Any other questions before we uh, close up shop?
1: The host couple of quick fire questions for you guys. Yeah. Um, first, which rookie are you taking long-term if you have to take just one of the two? Rapid fire. So Le- just one
2: of two, not one of five. One of two. One of, two okay. one of the two that are playing. Um,
0: I actually, I actually would take Roddy. I think Laravia is easier to find. I think Roddy is a do-it-all guy who is not going to have a good rookie year. But I think long-term, I like what he can potentially do defensively. I don't believe as much in LaRavia. His shot is pure, and we're going to need that. Uh, But I think Roddy has more of a potential to
2: backfill a Dylan Brooks role. Uh, I'm going to say LaRavia because how is he not Mike Miller 2.0? Like, how is that not a thing? Yeah. And shooting, like Will said, that's easy to find. Like, shooting is kind of hard to find. And if you got a 6'8 guy who can stretch the floor and do a little bit off the dribble, like those guys are very valuable. It seems to be easy for the Grizzlies front office to find. That's all I'm saying. Sure. I'd take LaRavia.
3: I'm good not answering. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> please. I, 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 I don't know. I know. I'm pleading the fifth because I'm really torn because I think I prefer LaRavia's game, but – Roddy, Key, like even last, like even the Nets game, Roddy was over five from three, very embarrassing, and he still had a better plus minus. Than kyle LaRavia. Anderson looked better so, than
1: Roddy did on those. Yes, threes.
3: but like, but there's a there's a there's a weird there's a a Dylan factor with Roddy where we just do well when he's on the court, even though he doesn't look great. That seemingly Lauravia doesn't have, but man, I but I but I. I love the Ravioli. Four tribe, games, so that would right. be hard. So that's we, why.
0: If anybody has asked us this question about Santi Aldama last year, what would we have said? Yeah. That's the Just point. No, let's wait. Not. Let's ne- wait.
3: Next question.
1: You can on the honors on the honor system. What,
2: um, what uh Raternity. player would you trade for? What veteran player would you trade for that you would like to be on the Grizzlies? That
1: in your head, without having to explain the whole thing, we could legitimately trade for. Hmm. What veteran player do you want on the Grizzlies team? Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, he would replace Dylan. He'd give us an offensive <laughs> threat. He would be
2: a lockdown 3 and D player, and the Kings suck. Harrison Barnes a great one. That's really good. I don't know if the Kings would get rid of him because they're clearly trying to do everything they can to win. Um, they're 0-3 tonight, and we're about to whoop that trick. I hope so. That's a good one. I like the Harrison Barnes one.
0: I had a trade that I threw out in our text thread, and it was a trade for Cam Radish uh, to the Knicks. I think that he was he was traded to uh, the Knicks from the Hawks and has been this kind of, um, I guess, underperforming asset, I would say. But I think that's a little bit due to um, the way that he's been utilized or lack thereof. And I think that he is a uh, has the physical tools, the athleticism to – maybe step in. He actually had a really good game against the Grizzlies. Is he a which, veteran, though? Which I, would, I mean, if you're talking about guys who we could theoretically get. I mean, he's not on his next contract I'm with you. necessarily. But I think I was kind of disappointed he had such a good game against the Grizzlies because I didn't want them to inflate his value more than – because I think we can theoretically get him for under market value, develop him in a system. He's been in a Hawk system and a Knicks system, yeah, kind of which is away. unproven to me and so I think getting him into our our system that's one that I think is there's not a lot of realistic trades to be honest there aren't and he is one that I feel like could be realistic
1: okay last question so back in the old days when Rich and I were playing basketball um, and you went in the locker room before the game you put on the jock strap what happened (laughs) to the jock strap (laughs) (laughs) under armor happened And then Nike followed. They made these compression shorts that feel amazing. And I used to wear jock straps, too, back in 2004, playing football. But then Under Armour came about, and compression shorts are the shit.
0: I had to cuss one time. That's fine. We'll leave it in. I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great question. Great answer. I love the,
2: what happened? Yeah.
0: (laughs) If we ever get media passes... And we'll do an investigative report soon. That'll be the that first line. question yeah. we ask, and then the passes will probably out. get. Revoked. I'm selling on that yeah.
1: investigative report.
0: That's right. Well, we really appreciate uh, the Car Avenue Burber Club having the Griznem Pod. Um, hey yo, thank you to thank you to Bubba, our host. We really appreciate it. We're hoping to do more of these in the future this was this was great um and for for craft for ty for brantley i'm will thanks for joining us appreciate it